0: Welcome to the All of Christ for All of Life podcast, brought to you by Canon Plus. This week's episode is a sample episode of the Stories Are Soul Food podcast. In the episode, Brian Cole and N.D. Wilson discuss recent comments from Pastor John MacArthur on the topic of winning and losing as Christians. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the Stories Are Soul Food podcast and watch the video version available only on Canon Plus. We're talking about stuff today. Yeah, we are. Talking about stuff. First, we should make fun of John Irwin. You may note he is not on this podcast. <laughs>
1: John. 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 Who, 10 minutes before we were scheduled, pushed us yet again. John Irwin. This is why we
0: don't plan this podcast.
1: No, we absolutely don't. Whenever we plan and that, because usually Cause I'm we, the one guilty of that.
0: When we plan it.
1: Then I can't make it.
0: Then we can't make it. <laughs> When we
1: have people on. When when we plan it, I am inevitably the person who's saying, hey. Well, for example, right now, we're starting about, like, what, 50 minutes after we hoped. But I had been... Uh, John Irwin was going to come on and talk about Jesus Revolution today. And he decided to take his daughter to a concert instead. So... How I, don't, dare I don't know, he? is his daughter how? real?
0: Is his daughter real? How dare he? Is the concert real? I how, don't know. How dare he, he push us for some father-daughter time?
1: Um, I'm just hoping it's not K-pop, because if it's K-pop, I'm not forgiving him. I don't know what the concert is. I asked his assistant, and and I,
0: I didn't get an answer. So Would that be a disinvite? Whatever no, it is, next time I
1: see him, <laughs> next time I see John, I'm definitely going to get really pointed and very hurt that, <laughs> that he would shrug off our podcast for father-daughter time. Anyways, so we can't we can't hit him with our Jesus Revolution questions today. Someday, someday, maybe we will get. Him. I don't know. He's pushed us like three or four times at this point. So in the eschaton, maybe the eschaton, <laughs> which dovetails nicely into our topic for the our day. topic for the day, which is
0: losing. Yep, losing. Yeah, yeah. So you might have seen the latest tempest in a teapot on Twitter, which is John MacArthur claiming. I haven't, by the way. I don't see anything on any social media. Well, this one was fascinating. But John MacArthur claiming we don't win down here, we lose, referring to Christians and the Christian faith and the way that it exists. That's Followed kind of up. ironic coming from him. Yeah, given
1: he, his their big COVID
0: stand and fight, and especially the their fact that he won, he did win. That he won. Yeah. So and then he directly called out. The post mill folks, anybody who believes that the world will eventually be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, you're misunderstanding. You're supposed to be losing. Anyone who reads that who anyone who wants the yeast to work through the dough, what else do we do? i think I think people misunderstand
1: even what losing means. Yeah. so I mean, obviously it's the the yeah. the biggest weapon that believers have that the church has had historically is a complete lack of fear of losing. Yeah. No one ever. It's probably, I think this is, he didn't say it first, but it's in a Chris Stapleton song. No one ever won by being afraid to lose or something like that. Is that K-pop? It, no, it's not Chris Stapleton. Come on, <laughs> man. Just, Come just on. Kidding. Come on.
0: Just a little joke.
1: How, how dare you? <laughs> Little stoltum yocum, as my father would say. <laughs> yeah. That's Latin for stupid joke. <laughs> stupid joke. So if you if you want to work a stupid joke into your life, you can refer to things as stultum
0: yocum. Stultum yocum. How to say stupid joke in Latin. Uh, see the more you know. That's that's why we know. do this podcast. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> but it's so Christians need to be absolutely unafraid of uh unafraid of losing. Yeah. And actually my here's here's a weird thing for you. I'm going to pull my phone. This I've written a few books. I've written a book or two. Uh, the most frequent uh the, the most frequent quote that gets pulled. And I'm just jumping on Twitter right now to to I know it's going to be easier for me to find this quote On Twitter than it would be for me to find it in my own, like, notebooks or docs or something like that. That's from Daniel. Yep. okay, there we go. So, I searched for mentions of me, and inevitably, this quote will always show up, which is, sometimes standing against evil is more important than defeating it. Yeah. Right. The greatest heroes stand because it is right to do so, not because they will not because they will walk away with their lives. Yep. That's like in the end, I think that's where guys like MacArthur, like they're like, we can't care about winning. We can't care about, we have to just stand. And the answer is yes. Correct. You need to just stand. So Christians, faithful believers, dude. And that was incidentally because I'm very, very important and very serious. That was a line of dialogue from, uh, I think, uh, Frank fat Frank fairy? fat fairy yeah. yeah Yep. that's a Frank, Frank Fat, fat fairy, fairy said that so in dandelion fire so yeah sometimes standing against evil is more important than defeating it the greatest heroes stand because it is right to do so not because they will not because they believe they'll walk away with their lives um that quote shows up all over the place it shows up in some of the weirdest strangest places it shows up in moving places places that surprise me it shows up I'm mean, I've I've my wife has um showed me its use at, you know, the funerals read by a, a politician at funerals of a bunch of, uh, of cops who died
0: in the line of duty. Wow. You know, it's like it's. And it makes it into the little motivational calendars too. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. So,
1: there's, there's a different, there's different things that just sort of work their way through the ecosystem of quotes. Um, there's one that shows up and all
0: over the place from Ike that's kind of fun, just funny. There's that one. It did which did is, you craft any of them thinking this one's a banger? No. <laughs> yeah, this is just <laughs> no. this is just
1: dialogue. <laughs> no, I think I I think I talked about um I think I talked about this actually at one point when my gallbladder exploded and it was, that was all exciting. Yeah. And I that, that day when I was going into emergency surgery, my my sister texted me her day planner. And that day was a quote from me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and I think I don't remember. I don't know if it was I think it was that one, wasn't no, it? No, it wasn't. It was everything gets everything gets harder if you start going on and on about how hard it is. <laughs> and that was the that was the quote on the day when I was in emergency surgery. My sister very helpfully sent that to me. Yeah. Um and I actually think that was from Dragon's Tooth and then showed up. I think I, I posted it on Twitter at some point and then it ended up in day planners and motivational things and so on. But the yeah. dandelion fire quote is relevant to what we're talking about. So, right. you, we stand and fight not, not because we're going to win right here, right now. Right. We stand and fight because it's the right thing to do. And you stand and fight because it's the right thing to do. But you still do that in light of your knowledge that Christ is king and he will triumph. Yeah. So yeah. Like it's, it's what, what MacArthur did and what his church did through COVID was great. They stood and fought because it was right to do so. They did not stand and fight because they thought they were gonna win. And they like, cared about themselves and their victory record. Their right. scoreboard was the no, one. No, they were they were entirely motivated by what they believed was the right thing to do. And what they believed was the right thing to do was stand and fight. They did not say this is, we're going to win this so we're going to fight this. Yeah. Our job is to worship God. Therefore, we're the not whole the, Our whole Stickergate saga, like yeah, at yeah. no point has it been like, oh, we're going to do this because we're going to win. It's like, it's been, we're going to do this because we don't want to live in a town or a state where you can be arrested and prosecuted for, for making fun of a, a leftist city or a leftist policy if they can put you in handcuffs and down on the sidewalk and come after you with the full force of the law in a way they will not come after anyone else they need to be fought yeah like they must be fought it's it's because the fight is right not because we think hey let's run a calculus and
0: decide whether we're gonna win we we want to you know or even changing what you're planning on doing to get that higher win percentage in, the, in that context. Yeah. So, there there are plenty of times when you, you calculate, like, which hill do you die on?
1: Um, and the answer is, you fight on the right ones. And the, like, the ones that you don't want to concede, you will not concede. Like, you're willing to die here. Yeah. I'm willing to die here on this. Um, and that's, you know, that's a big, that's a big litmus. But the whole overarching discussion of where's the story going and that's really what it is uh do you know the story of the gospel do you know the story of the old testament the new testament is this all leading to a triumph is this leading to a
0: a victory here yeah like where the story happened yeah yeah you know, it's like yeah. that's yeah all the hymns is at the name of jesus every knee shall bow what does that mean <laughs> like is that one that drives us down here yeah or does that matter for right here or is that does that etherealized and we're talking about when we all get to heaven every knee is going to bow in heaven to jesus so i I wonder
1: if that's the but let me let me pitch you a little narrative arc so we've talked a lot about the architecture of story here and getting the architecture right and then the flesh can change right yeah so imagine a narrative if you will In which there's a land of, you know, small people with bare feet, with lots of hair on them. Let us call them halflings. (laughs) Hobbits, if you prefer. There's that little land and there's an old kingdom, Gondor, and there's Rohan, all these things. Imagine a land in which there's evil coming and all the good people fight. They fight that evil and they all lose. Over and over and over again, they lose and they just die and they burn and the darkness is unstoppable. And they make the they make the right choices and they do the right things. Boromir doesn't even try to get the ring. Like he he actually just fights. He does makes all the right choices and they all go wrong anyway. They didn't listen to Wormtongue Tongue and got destroyed by anyway.
0: By, so by Saruman. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah.
1: so Worm Tongue is like. You know, in his ear, but Phaedon's like, you know what? Yeah. Like, I'm sticking with wisdom. I'm making the right choice. And he still gets
0: fried. Yeah, it's a red day. And the
1: Ents are like, you know what? We have to do something. And they completely fail. And they get just demolished. They get absolutely destroyed. They're made into paper products, which are all going to print gay pride flyers. That's what all the Ents turned into. You know, it's like, this is the architecture of, of this kind of story. Everyone... Do the right thing. Make the right decision. And go down in flames. Burn. Because don't worry. You're going to be magically transported uh, to the Grey Havens. And you'll be stuck on a ship and you'll go to a different world Mm
0: -hmm.
1: where none of this happened. And we're going to call that winning. Yeah. It's like, um, you know, it's it's actually a really weird... Like invert, it's it's kind of a Valhalla actually. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. You know, where it's like, but but, but then, then where Valhalla places like even Valhalla gets destroyed, they go even farther. Like you're all gonna go to heaven because they love they loved dying in combat. So you had to hold a weapon. In order to go to Valhalla, you had to have a weapon in your hand when you died. Like, if you died in battle, it was the best. And so, you're just bloody and aggressive, but you're all going to die. And then when you die and you have the sword in your hand, you'll go to Valhalla where you can feast. And guess what's going to happen at Valhalla? You're all going to be destroyed. Because the frost
0: giants are <laughs> the coming. The frost in. giants
1: are coming and you will all get to sing and fight alongside <laughs> each other and you'll all get to be destroyed there. Yeah. You'll all be des- destroyed together. There's a little taste of that instead of dispensationalism in some of the the two kingdom stuff yeah. where – um. You know, it's just like, it's like really okay. So, you make the right thing. Frodo gets all the way to Mount Doom and he throws the ring in the volcano and nothing happens. (laughs) And an orc comes up behind him and slits his throat.
0: (laughs) Like Frodo did what he was supposed to do. But you know what?
1: He did what he was supposed to do. And now he's in the happy kingdom. Right. Where that, you know, where we won. Like, did we though? Like, is this winning? (laughs) Um, I, okay, so but I feel- I'm reminded I'm reminded of a Chris uh, a Christian movie from way way long ago where uh, it was a football team and they're getting their butts handed to them by this big big number one team of the state or whatever, and so their coach wheeled a chalkboard out at halftime below the scoreboard and wrote zero zero on it, and mm-hmm. and just said we don't care about the first half we're going to pretend like that didn't happen or we're just going to play the second half it's like that's, that's not, not a- how it works. <laughs> you know, I've, I've coached, I'll, I'll tell guys like, hey, we focus on right now, we win this quarter, we win this minute, win this next thing. Don't get overly distracted about how big an egg you already laid in the first <laughs> half. I get that. But when they started keeping score in this film and they, you know, they're trying to win and they ended up barely winning the second half, then they all jumped around screaming and running around like they'd won the actual game, but they didn't. They didn't actually win the game. I mean, like- oh, so the comeback. The comeback just meant they won the second half half only, but they got destroyed in the game overall. (laughs) So they were destroyed in the game overall, but But they 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 were like, "Yes, we won." Like that's not winning; it isn't. And we and and so Christ said what winning is. Like he he actually said, "Yeah, go make disciples, go disciple the nations, like disciple the nations, like that's the that is actually the bar for winning." like winning and succeeding. Uh, and yeah. that's, that's what we were told. That's what we're doing. And so everybody needs to live in the light of that eventual victory, but it is, not a, it is not a little get out of jail free card for your inactivity or for your lack of action. And we don't go into fights because we all win that individual fight. We go into fights when they are the right fights to be in. Right. Like you don't fight orcs because you might win. You fight
0: orcs because they're orcs. Right, like because it's, this needs to happen. Um, yeah, so that's really interesting because, well, first off, comparing dispensationals to Vikings is awesome. I like that. <laughs> I think that I think that works for John MacArthur. He is a bit he's of he's got Viking. he's got a Norse he's, toughness. He's, he's got a bit. And of I Viking should say we him. have a
1: ton of respect for him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've learned from him. Yeah, and um, uh, but yeah. So you can. And it does make me wonder why do you fight? Like I've got my my voted sticker on, even though I it won't matter, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have my voted sticker on because I haven't been able to fit it in today. So <laughs> But uh, you know, even we don't we don't <clears> vote <throat> because we're obsessed with winning this particular library board election. No. Which who well, cares? Who cares? But yeah. we do vote because I don't know. At some point we're gonna win it. Might be my great grandkids. Oh yeah. You know?
1: No, we're gonna the, the thing is knowing you're going to win is great. And yeah. and actually so sh- keeping with the football analogy, if an individual player goes and throws a block you know, on a much bigger player and knows that they're about to get destroyed, if somebody goes into that and throws themselves in front of that block to, to free up somebody behind them who's actually going to win, who's actually going to score, that's great. That's awesome. They are not calculating in that contact, whether they themselves will be on their back in pain, they are not calculating whether or not they will be the one like getting the MVP who goes flying or gets the MVP or flies and ends up on their back. They're not calculating that at all. They're just seeing what needs to be done and sacrificing themselves for that. And that's fantastic. And so somebody who, you know, blocks a big middle linebacker and gets sent flying. But Springs is running back who actually ends up in the end zone. That's like, okay. Like that, that is a person who understands the bigger picture of winning. He's, he's willing to sacrifice and lose. He's willing to lose in that, in that conflict to actually facilitate greater gain. Yeah. Um, And, and and so we go into these fights, but we also are, we are looking at a big picture where our team, our brothers and sisters, our King is going to win. Right. Like we will win. Will it be in my lifetime? No.
0: Right. Like it won't be. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, we don't we can't calculate that yet. No. I mean it does seem like the I worst I don't need it to be. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I don't yeah. I don't need it to be in my lifetime. Yeah. Cause we weren't put there. I mean, I'm not yeah, we don't have to stick around for that. It does seem like the worst kind of Jesus juke when you do when you do that move, you know? Yeah. When you make a really bad decision and then jump it up out of this realm to get out of responsibility to heaven. That's a juke. Yeah. When you have something terrible happen in your life and it doesn't go the way you're supposed to and you get martyred, jumping up to looking at the heavenly view is fine.
1: Yeah. Well, the other <laughs> way you required. said we won't, we won't be here. It's like no, we actually will. Yeah. We'll all come back for that. That's we'll, all true. Be, we'll, we'll all be back for that for that big finale. But the thing that's funny to me is that guys like MacArthur and um, Jerry Falwell Sr. back in the day, those guys frequently behaved more like really cold-blooded post millennialists than most post-mill guys. Yeah. For most post-mill guys, it's actually academic and then it's on a chalkboard mm-hmm. and they're just dummies yeah. smoking cigars yeah. on somebody's porch. Yeah. Talking about things that don't really matter to them, don't affect their their lives and it, it makes, makes them uh, well, if I'm going to be really insulting, let's just and just keep on the football <laughs> thing. It's like people really needing to be Alabama fans. You know. Yeah. Okay, like I I am I root for that winning team. They're not on the team. They don't yeah. invest in the team. They're not boosters. They're just roll tide. They didn't go to the college. Yeah. Yeah. Just roll tide. Why? Because I like a winner. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like there's guys who who do absolutely nothing who are just sedentary that's Alabama right. fans who are post-millennialists. Like that's it. And so, they use their post-mill. Gotcha to get that reflected piece of victory. Like they think like, oh, I'm part of a winning team. Now, yeah. the, the truth is they are part of a winning team, but they, they use it to get the sensation of victory and we're gonna get this without actually like getting calluses on their hands, yeah. without actually like being part of the win, yeah. like being part of the build. Right. And it's, it's funny, I've seen that. And then I go look at a MacArthur or I look at Falwell Senior and I look at what they built. I look at what they did, like right? What they've gone in,
0: uh, yeah. and,
1: the, and like, and I, I love that MacArthur picks a fight based on whether fight. it's the right fight, not based on whether he's going to win. That is important. Falwell was the same, yeah. And their short-term theology enabled them to like brawl, building their universities and colleges in such a, in the you know brawl in a way that they didn't care if it all burned, mm-hmm. which is a mentality you got to have, yeah. Like to really like. You're going to get the absolute utmost out of your assets that way, mm-hmm. um, you know, high risk and and so on. But it's funny to me that MacArthur of all people would say this when he is one of the best post millennial guys out there in terms of his orthopraxy. Yeah, like you know, like what he's actually out there doing—the preaching—is like, yeah, he's preaching the gospel. The feeding he's the fighting souls. unbelieving tyrants. Yeah. He's like. He's, he's established educational institutions to pass on knowledge to the next generation. He's doing, he's doing all the things that somebody who's really post mill should be doing. Yeah. It's just that the, the actual, like, you know, do you think
0: (laughs) maybe, maybe it got to him a bit, just our current cultural moment where he's looking at it and, and being willing for it to collapse or, or afraid, not afraid is the wrong word, but perhaps looking at it being like. Is this all going to work? You know, yeah. I, I'm, I, sometimes see, yeah. I sometimes see that fear reflected.
1: But I can see, so I can see that quote. I didn't see the quote. Right. I didn't see the Twitter I, storm. I don't know. Context, but yeah. I could
0: see saying that to a bunch of
1: Americans where it's like, listen, stop caring so much about the election. Yeah. Like, stop caring so much. We're not yeah. going to win with that jersey on. There is no promise in scripture that the red, white, and blue jersey is going to win. It won't. Sure. Sure, like it won't. We won't win down here in that way. Yep, like we're, we're winning differently. I get that, and if that right. if that context was there, I could I could say Amen. That's just City of God. That's Augustine,
0: right? You know the yeah. Fault I mean, he and, targeted and so specifically people who are post millennial. Sure, right. So that one's there where I think maybe you know he what? misunderstands. Let, let me let me just say this very carefully. I forgive you, John. <laughs> The post-millennialists don't care. We actually like what you're doing. <laughs> I'm all for it, John. You know what? Say whatever you need to say to keep battling yeah, like a post guy. If you are guy. still kicking butts, you may say that we are super lame.
1: <laughs> but honestly, give me 10,000 dispensationalists like him. Right. More than one academic post right. guy who's not actually doing anything. Yeah. Like, how are you yeah. shaping culture? Right. Oh, I go to work at this massive corporation. I pull, a, you know, a decent salary and then i smoke and i drink and i talk about it on the porch right like give give me somebody who's really in the trenches yeah and i don't care what he thinks like i really don't i, I care what he does we've talked about this uh a, well let's let's connect another podcast it was number whatever i don't know but we've talked about authorial intent not mattering right like the mm-hmm. artifact like the story is what matters mm-hmm and we see that in the parable, too. The sons say, like, I'll go to the vineyard. I won't go to the vineyard. What matters, ultimately, is going. Like, it's it's better to say you won't and to do it than to uh, say you will and bail. But in this case, look at MacArthur's life story that he's written. Like, I've talked a lot about how we're all creating, we're all characters, we're all writers, we're all writing dialogue, we're all writing scenes. He can take a pot shot, if he wants, at post-millennialism. It's like saying... I hate three act narrative structure that has a concrete ending as he lives a fantastic three act structure with a concrete <laughs> ending. It's like he can say what he wants yeah. to say, but the way he has lived, the way he's functioned, the way he's fought. Right. Like that is the real story of his life. Right. And that is a magnificent story.
0: You know, yeah. That's the apocryphal. Well done. He's going right. to
1: get a well done, you know, like it's, yeah. there's no question. And I could disagree
0: with him about all sorts of things and it just doesn't it just doesn't matter. Okay, here's a question for you, though, and here's where I think we really hit, run into trouble when we talk about public policy. So that well done, does that apply to actual things we do on the ground, or is it some sort of spiritual thing? <laughs> and I and and I notice, especially in the conversation about should our nation be Christian, right? Sure. That that conversation, and I'm a hard no on that one. Right? I definitely, I have, think the answer I definitely. Is I definitely want a pagan nation. It's much to be preferred, especially as <laughs> uh, the month sacrificing of Sacrificing virgins, you know, Asherah poles, mm-hmm. all those mm-hmm. things. <laughs> yeah. So that that question, I think a lot of people hear, you know, that sort of discussion: should we do things now, public, you know, practical things, or should we do spiritual things, and then make some huge ju- juxtaposition between the two, or uh, sorry, distinction between the two? Is that uh, do you see that as part of as part of this problem, like? yeah I don't know. Uh, <laughs>
1: well uh, there how, how's this? there there's no such thing as spiritual things
0: that's that's not a thing that exists. okay, because matters that just doesn't exist. The separated spiritual realm.
1: there's nothing you can do. There's just nothing you can do that's purely
0: spiritual. yeah.
1: there's nothing. You can't opt out of matter and and opt out That's of God's space-time narrative. You cannot do it. There is no abstract plane in which you do spiritual things. Mm. There is only here. There is only space-time. There's only your flesh spoken by God into his narrative. Right. And what you do with your flesh physically here in right. the material space-time narrative is what matters. Right. And, and, so, are you a faithful servant or are you not a faithful servant? Only happens here because there is nowhere
0: else. Right. There's just. That's a great point. So the idea, a lot of people say, you know, we should be reading our Bibles, praying, repenting, but those things happen on your knees. Yeah. On your
1: butt. So what you're saying (laughs) is you're going to, I need to take, you know. I need to take a a big fat bound thing of pulped trees with burned images on it. And I need to, with my eyes, I need to physically hold it with my hands and physically stare at it with my eyes and I need to study it and learn it Mm -hmm. and all those things. But where are you studying it and learning it? You're learning it in you, in the, you are a physical creature and your soul is part of a physical creature in space time. Right. Like, it has, it has presence in this reality. There's not, it doesn't have access somewhere else where it's only doing spirit transfers Yeah, and,
0: and really, really achieving victory in the spiritual economy. It's like, <laughs> right. Yeah. We like, all know those stories of the theologians. I can't remember which of the AWS it was, but one of those was a, was a real loser as a person and wrote some great theology. Uh, yeah, we, I couldn't tell you, but we, that would go for most people. We, for the mo- <laughs> most people who wrote great theology. <laughs> but yeah, that, that distinction, you're right. You can't juxtapose the two or oh, why well, I keep saying the wrong word. You can't distinguish the two. Yeah, you can't divorce the two. You yeah. cannot bifurcate. Let's That's, go with that. There's
1: the one. You cannot bifurcate. More Latin. <laughs> yeah, you cannot bifurcate this whole like earthly spiritual, you are a creature. Yeah. Like there is only reality. And there, there you are as creature and character in God's reality and narrative, and you will have a, another eternal, you will have an eternal existence, right? Right. But you will have that eternal existence after resurrection and into, well, shall we call it the sequel of this? Because it's not like you're going to, you know, this different plane you yeah, know, it's like some so different plane the ast- where it's we're only a spirit the astral plane. plane. Yeah, we're yeah. not doing we're not doing that. You continue to exist in God's spoken reality. He has spoken and made all of this exist. He has extended the canvas. He's set the stage. There is nowhere that you can exist dead or alive off of that stage. Mm. Like there's nowhere. Like he has actually spread this the stage of reality and you can't get outside of it. Yeah so everything here and then if you're if you are currently living like yeah there's no there's no spirit uh there's no spirit level of action everything is fully integrated with your physicality all of it until you're dead
0: yeah <laughs> so that's <laughs> yeah. the oh, that's that's it and even that doesn't the bible and talk that's about a curse. it like a, a short- and that's
1: a curse yeah. that will be conquered the yeah. fact that you will be separated the fact that like Paul yeah, talks about how stressful together. that is, right. the fact that you will actually be divorced from your flesh, that you will be separated from your body is the problem that will be solved. The thing, the last enemy that Christ is conquering. So, I don't, it's just weird to me. It's really weird. Yeah. But I le- I really, I, I'm all for MacArthur. He basically kind of strikes me as like a Gimli type, <laughs> you know, where you have, if we're talking character types, he's going to brawl. He's going to fight. Mm-hmm. Like, he's going to he's gonna be there for you. He's going to be loyal. And yeah, you know what? He could turn and snark about the elves. He could snark about the sure. men. He can snark about yeah, whatever. And he ultimately, wants. he's still here taking orc heads. So, I'm all for him. Right. You yeah. know, he's he's more than welcome. And if he wants to take pot shots at post do it. Yeah. Take your pot shots. I don't care. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah. most of them could do with the little pot shotting. Yeah. Now that it's cool, by the way. It's like, now that post-millennialism is actually really growing and on the rise and makes a lot of sense and it's, it's showing up, plenty of people are opting in because they're like in their own weird, inconsistent frame. It's a spiritual thing for them too. It's an abstraction. Yeah. Where they just kind of opt in and then do nothing. Yep. Um, so, anyway, go <laughs> MacArthur. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do so more and more.
1: Yeah.
0: How much? Is this a quick one or should we keep going? I know, going? we can
1: talk more. We got more. What do we need? We can make make fun of John Irwin some more.
0: Yeah. Or well, what do we? What no. else are we talking about, Brian? Um, you know, I, I mean, I think, I think, I, I, tem- I'm tempted to want to dig deeper into what does it look like to win. What does winning mean? Oh. And I feel like we do that regularly, but I, I just don't see people understand that. Ruling from a throne of skulls is winning. <laughs> <laughs> the nate doesn't mind the viking aesthetic (laughs) as long as there's a frost giant hand on the throne as long as we beat the frost
1: giants i'm okay yeah
0: yeah uh the other thing i got on our list is uh, so uh, but even that unpack winning what does winning mean yeah I, i i think most people don't have a good idea of what winning means I, I don't. I think. I think most people they've got the American dream in their head. Sure. Right. So house, family, yep. kids, good job. Yep. And then on the other hand, they think I don't really know how Christ is going to, to to conquer America. It looks like America's going going down the drain and will not be back. You know. And sure. So, so that'd, be, that'd be fine. That's yeah. fine. Okay. I mean, it's like yeah. okay. So, but, but it's if hard. T- I don't want,
1: I like it. I li- I'm a, I'm a fan of America. I like going to the rodeo and, and right. the fact that they open in prayer and sing the Star Spangled Banner and everything else. I love my country, but the country is mortal.
0: Like institutions yeah. are mortal. All things, all things are mortal. Yeah. Um, I think so- people struggle with that, with how do you make your own family a powerful instrument for God's goodness? And God's yeah. working in the kingdom. So I do, I do think I do think that people
1: need to get concrete about winning in their lives. And this is what I mean by post millennial guys who who need to actually like get calluses on their hands. Yeah, you know they they need to do that because they need to be less. uh, Sanctified, less blanketed by victory from knowing that Christ will win. Yeah. And they need to actually do their part. Yeah. They they need to try to win on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And what does that look like? Well, it looks like faithfully imaging God the Father in everything you do. Yeah. It looks like faithfully imaging Christ in everything you do and like pushing and pushing and pushing to do that. So raising your kids to be joyful image bearers like who honestly like canceled the darkness raising you know raising these kids who are going to be foxes and you're tying torches to their tails and releasing them in the vineyards that's what it looks looks like like. it looks like ripping the gates off the city and carrying them away you know and ultimately it looks like putting your hands on the pillars and taking them all down with you yeah it looks looks like. like it looked like when samson won it looks like it looks like when paul won It looks like, you know, how Christ won. It frequently involves, well, it does always involve sacrifice, laying yourself down, and doing it consistently. So, ultimately, it looks like giving your life for those behind you. It looks like being food, being a meal. It It looks like Christ looks like. And so, you know, whether we go to the first Adam, second Adam, we look at the first Adam screw up. When the first Adam screwed up, and I know I've talked about this before, but we're hundreds of episodes in. Well, hundred. We're hundred of episodes in.
0: <laughs> One fourteen.
1: And so I'll say it again. People don't read stories. They just don't, and they don't think of stories yeah. when they read when they read scripture. So when you are reading the story in the Garden of Eden, very very few people think through what should Adam have done. Yeah, that's it. They just don't even think about it. Right. Like what should he have done? And they think about what he should not have done, should not have eaten the fruit. It's like, okay, so then run that scenario for me. Yeah. Like you run that scenario. Adam turns Eve down flat. He, you know, we, we know in the narrative that he was not deceived. He decided to die with Eve, which is like a ridiculous Romeo and Juliet piece of crap. It's the sentimental idolatry of his wife. So he idolizes his wife. He idolizes his love of this woman, and decides to die with her. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's the fall. His fall is a, it's a man deciding to die with her.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we like you can you can see that in all sorts of Western storytelling where we are still sympathetic to that mistake. We still yeah want that. Like we still want to see this love where it's like you know what I'm going to stay in the burning building. Like, I'm going to die with you. You got here by accident by being an idiot and being deceived. I'm here on purpose. Yeah. And I'm going to go down in flames uh, this way. And the, and the fact is, like, I, I watch that in people's lives all the time. I watch husbands. Uh, I watch a, a wife. And let's. this is a very broad brush, but you can all imagine this. Imagine a wife who really wants to do something. And she's wrong. It's bad for the family. And she's deeply committed. And she's, this is what we need to do. This is the thing we need to do. Like fill in the blank, what it is. Let's say that she has, and just to really like rub some further wrong way. Let's, let's say, I'm trying to think of something that will make it all be the most irritating Uh, (laughs) just for purposes to really heighten the contrast. Let's say that there's a woman who's born a bunch of really strong athletic, like sons with leadership potential. And they all are just bouncing off the walls, ready to go, you know, be Old Testament saints in the world. So they're full of beans. Mm-hmm. Like she's got a bunch of sons. She's done, like, here they are. And she says, you know what? I want to homeschool them. Like, I want to keep them confined. I want to, I want to keep them in a smaller kennel. Like, I've born a bunch of wolves who could range you know, 50 miles Mm -hmm. and more. And what we're going to do is keep them in the kitchen. And she genuinely believes this is the right thing to do for these boys. She read some blog somewhere. Yeah, about a woman talking about, you know, lying on the internet about her amazing relationship with her sons around the kitchen table. And she's decided that's what she wants. And this is what she wants to do. She's been deceived. Let's say, and I, and for purposes of illustration, just to be clear, in my imaginary illustration, this is the wrong decision. Stipulate that. <laughs> Stipulate. So, run with me here. Assume this is the wrong decision. This is not to say that Homeschooling's always bad. It's not to say any of that. I'm not trying to say that. Homeschooling's often the right answer. This is not about the homeschooling. It's not about the homeschooling. What I'm telling you is that there's a there is a mom who's reached this decision, this, or this belief, I should say. And she's reached it honestly. She's been she's been fooled because somebody wrote about some great experience they had and she wants it. But for these imaginary boys in my head, it is the wrong decision. <laughs> and let's say the husband knows that. Mm. He knows it. She doesn't doesn't know it. She thinks it's the right decision, but he knows it's the wrong decision. There are two options. He's got two options. That's the Adam and Eve scenario. Yeah. She believes this to be the right. She believes this to have been the thing she was lied to. She was deceived. He knows it's not. How often does that husband commit the sin of Adam? The abdication. And the answer is almost always. It is rare. It is a rare and wonderful thing when that guy does not capitulate because he just wants it to stop. You know, he wants it to stop or he doesn't want conflict with his wife. He doesn't want, you know, that to happen. So, he, undeceived, makes the wrong choice, knowing it to be the wrong choice, but he does it for purposes of his relationship with his wife. Mm. he makes the wrong decision just for that. Um, And again, remember this is an imaginary scenario. So my math is not wrong because it's imaginary. Nobody can argue with my math. (laughs) We are, we are stipulating that it is the wrong decision. We don't know all the details, but whatever the details are, make it the wrong decision. And he knows it and she doesn't. Yeah. Whenever he capitulates and goes with her belief, knowing it to be the worst option knowing it to be the wrong option he's committing the sin of adam and i see that all the time yeah all the time and i see husbands you know joke about it laugh about it i I see them you know just like yeah this is the this is what we have to do we have to make the wrong decision you go back to the original story and the answer for adam is not just watch her burn the answer is not to die with her the answer is to say how do we and how do we learn this we'll get the second adam the answer is to say Take me instead. That's the answer. Mm -hmm. So, what would winning have looked like for Adam in the garden? Death. That would have been winning. Like, yep, the dragon comes, deceives his wife. She's under a death curse. He shows up and he's saying, I can leave her under a death curse. I can join her under a death curse. Or there's this third way that he did not take the way he should have taken, which is as an unfallen man. As a, a fit sacrifice to say to God, "Take me instead." Yeah, that is what the second Adam did do, and it's what we're supposed to do. Yeah, so it's what men are supposed to do. It's what women are supposed to do, also. It's like they're they're supposed to lay their lives down for their kids, for each other. So, what does winning look like? It looks like imaging Christ. It looks like imaging the Father. It looks like gratitude joy it looks like glorifying god and enjoying him forever that's winning right now it starts in your own family it starts with not yelling at your kids about the milk it starts with not complaining to your husband or about your husband it starts with actually loving your wife yeah with being a warmth husband and affection who, and sacrifice
0: yeah. and the truth the one who understands yeah that enough to say no actually you're wrong on the yeah on this but decision. also having a ch- a big checking account full of
1: affection for her and sacrifice for her. She sees you sacrifice for her every day. And then you're writing a check on that. You're saying, you know what, actually this is what we're doing. We're going, we're going this way, but she knows you would die for her anytime, any day, like any minute of every day. You've lived in a way that she knows that, that you would die for her. You die for your kids. Like you're right there always such that you have the relationship where you can say, actually, no, I know you think this is the right call, but it isn't. And I'm, and this is not what we're doing. We're doing, we're doing something else. Yeah. Um, And Uh, that's, so winning, like, if you want to make it cosmic and be like, yeah, Christ is going to, like Christ is going to cover, uh, he's going to cover the world uh, with his knowledge. Like the waters cover the sea. What that means is be part of the flood, but realize that you're a water molecule, like you're a drop. Yeah. Be one raindrop in the flood that's going to cover, you know, the earth. Yeah. And so, that means be joy, be gratitude, like be a picture of God. Of All God's- you can do is soak yeah. into the right spot. Yeah. <laughs> be a picture of God's grace. Be <laughs> that guy, that dad barbecuing in the backyard and laughing with his kids in a way that the neighbor's like, man, I wish we had some of that. Yeah, or I even wish I wish we had that warmth and that aroma. Be the
0: lighthouse, yeah. be that be yeah. that beacon in your neighborhood. Yeah, that radical two kingdom thing where we can't do something to make our town better. Like doing something that yeah. makes our town better is not Christian. Like yep. what a weird place we're in. Where yep. you're, they're like, hey, actually, I think we need a place where families can take their kids to eat.
1: One right? of one of my favorite things that we do here in Moscow is the street party around Grace Agenda. Yeah. What a great time. The street right We're closing main street and there's food everywhere and it's free. It's free. Really it's good great food. And it's free. Yep. Show up. And you know what? It's all these Christian people. It's all these Christian businesses, Christian, Christian families. And they're just giving away food. Like yep. just anybody come. I don't care how purple and pierced. I don't care what your pronouns are. You have kids, Wazoo kids. Have some amazing food. Like yep. show up. Here we go. Here's some amazing food. And it's, That's that is winning. Great. Like, successfully imaging christ and imaging god right in our daily lives is winning yep resisting the temptations to irritation resisting the temptations to frustration lack of faith doubt right.
0: like resisting the temptation to get you know angry or kids like or or even just having our sports programs be the ones that other families from the community join yep. right right that's a yep. cool thing because back when i was a kid is the other way you know oh, christian yeah. kids were joining the high school And it's shifted around a little bit, you know, in some areas. No, we
1: start, we, uh, Aaron Wrench, whom we both work with, really quickly pivoted, you know, and created some youth football, which is now like uh, taking a life of its own in our community. But it was all because of the youth football program where my sons played going co-ed. Yep. And actually, if I remember correctly, this is... Don't, don't quote me. Is this microphone on? I think it was the prosecutor who's prosecuted me and my sons for stickers who is putting her daughter in Ooh. and forcing it. And she was a lawyer and like, you have to accept her. And it's like, everybody was kind of intimidated and yada, yada, whatever. I don't know all the details. All I know is that a ton of dads were like, yep, not with my boys. And I know there was an initial conversation. It was like, hey, so if she's here, we're not hitting her. Yep. We do not want to teach our sons to, to lay out a woman. Mm -hmm. Like, we want to teach our sons to, like, to really respect and protect women. She scored a lot of touchdowns. Yeah. We want to teach our sons to respect and protect women, not to hurt them, not to harm them. And so, we're not going to do this. And they said, no, you have to. If you get put in a drill, every boy has to, you know, hit her exactly the same. It's like, no, actually, we're out. And so, we started our own youth football thing. And that's turned into this, like, behemoth. (laughs) I mean, it's turned into... The, this our youth football goes third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and then Logos school takes over with junior high football. then we have high school football. But fifth and sixth grade like went undefeated, won the championship, playing up to a much higher division, playing like large much larger uh, schools, schools and programs that were all about it and deeply invested in it. And that's what we want. And it took a bunch of dads willing to like sacrifice and pull time out of their day to go do that.
0: There's to a, go build and this and infrastructure, a certain, yeah. The, to get back, if your immediate gut reaction is, "Hey, that's not being Christian," you need to go back to the Reformation.
1: Yeah. Like, what, what, what What is being know. Christian? Yeah, it's like well, there's being born again. Yep. But then, how do born again people act? <laughs> yeah,
0: all of Christ for all of life.
1: Yeah. Right? How do born again people act? Well, they image Christ and they image the Father. Yeah. In every day activities, like. That's what they do, you know? And I, I feel like I'm a youth pastor more than a coach. You know, I coach I coach basketball and I coach track and I'm helping people struggle and suffer
0: in pursuit of goals. That's the original youth pastor, <laughs> <the> high school <laughs> <It's>, coach. <laughs> yeah, and it's- like How much that's, better would that all be?
1: <laughs> and And the thing is, I'm being hard on kids when I think it is a kindness and a gift to them to be hard on them. I'm not being hard on them to vent my spleen or to like just give uh, give way to my own emotions or frustration. Yeah, like, it's always what does this kid need and does this kid need sympathy? Does this kid need exhortation? Does this kid need me to be hard? Do I need to be hard? And it varies. You know, I coach girls in the track team. I coach guys on the track team. I handle them pretty differently mm-hmm. um, in terms of how I communicate with them and what and what we're trying to what we're trying to do. But in every single day, I'm supposed to go into every meeting, I, I'm supposed to treat every checker at every grocery store, every gas station, every restaurant I enter, I'm supposed to treat them in a way that images Christ and I'm supposed to see Christ in them. I'm supposed to see the image in them too and walk around like I'm light in the darkness. That's how I'm supposed to be. Yeah. And every time I fail in that, I'm losing and every time I succeed, I'm winning. Right. And you yeah. don't even get to see the fruit, you're Johnny Appleseed walking around just throwing light, and so the effects that that has downstream, like well, that's up to the Holy Spirit like he can, he can use it how he wants to, mm. but I'm walking through Jimmy John's and I, I, my job is to throw you know throw seeds,
0: throw light and just and move on and, and keep on functioning so I like so you can pick whichever image you like best sitting on a throne of skulls or Johnny Appleseed <laughs> with light. Yeah, which, <laughs> Those are both images <laughs> of the, of the, of the post-millennial view. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The the
1: other thing is, uh, all of our enemies must die. All of our enemies will die. All of our friends will die. Like they will all die. And as, as, uh, my grandfather was always fond of saying, it's like the best way to kill an enemy is to convert him. Mm. Like that's, conversion meaning like death on the cross that old man dies yeah um that that is the best way so what does winning look like well it looks like defeating the nazis in europe it it also looks like making the best barbecue in your neighborhood and giving it to your neighbors (laughs) yeah it also looks like people always want to do all the kids in your neighborhood wanting to be at your house it yeah, looks so like your kids being joyful and loved and secure. It so looks so like your daughters not being set up as victims and served to the world. Yeah. You know, it, that's that's what it looks like. It looks like your daughters and granddaughters growing up to be the matriarchs of terrible tribes that will give the world fits until the last day. So, not daughters saying, "I just want to be a mom." I want to I want to opt out and just be a mom because that's easy. Daughters who actually consciously want to be the matriarch of terrible tribes. Yeah. Like, I really will, like, build a potent people who are going to be a problem for the darkness for a long time. And raising kids who
0: love God and re- rejoice in the lives they've been given uh, to live gratefully yeah. and faithfully. And, and you've said this before, but it, it's raising the character that you yeah. like to read about. The ones yep. that you think, man, I wish I knew that person. I, yep. I would be that person's friend.
1: <laughs> and I'll say this. I, I think that this is something Christians are really, really bad at. Like, mm-hmm. I, think, I think we see the character in fiction very easily and we have trouble seeing the character in the real world. Yeah. So, the, the boy who would be a great protagonist of a novel is not a boy that you like sitting in your classroom.
0: Yeah. We're pretty sensitive. We, oh, yes. Very sensitive and, and unforgiving when it comes to that type of character yeah oh yeah and i think it's that is something we can work on hey are you reacting ego first or are you reacting to what this kid needs
1: yeah are you threatened and competitive right are you offended and your feelings are hurt and you're insecure um you're offended that he's misbehaving you know when you're when you're there he's distracted or he's bored or whatever and you're offended yeah. by that it's like you can't be offended by that it's right. like
0: it's like Training a dog, (laughs) we yeah we use love cover it in a very passive way, but love covers a lot of big. How's your how's your dog training going, Brian? Dude, scouts scouts a champ. He can shake now.
1: Well done, yeah, well done. But it's it is funny because there's a certain kind of guy who, and actually this is just the best kind of guy. (laughs) So so (laughs) here we go. The best the best kind of guy and the best kind of male character in his teen years is not institution friendly. Yeah. Is unwieldy in classrooms and hallways. Like is, is angular and difficult is not going to just fit into that, you know, that spot you made for him. He's not going to just be a round peg sliding right in. He's going to be a problem and he's going to do dumb stuff.
0: Mm.
1: Like he's going to do dumb stuff because he's not afraid of you (laughs) and you don't want him to be. Your yeah. goal is not to try to make him afraid of you. Your goal is to teach him wisdom, like help him fear God and to fear no other. <laughs> like that's, that's what you want. Yeah. And so, it's really easy for Christian schools or churches or anything to try to find those well-behaved, like behave, mm-hmm. behave, behave, behave. Oh, he's the best boy. The best boy is the well-behaved boy. And for his own sake and because you really believe in him, you do need to teach them to be
0: well-behaved, obviously, but not via breaking them. Right. Not via self-control sub- is different than passivity or yeah. or uh that sort of deadness that you sometimes yep. see. And just know that however passive, however
1: docile, however respectful of you, you make that boy, that's how that'll be his default settings towards the world, towards any authority over him. It's like the the more the more you are telling him, like, listen, don't be afraid of me. Fear God. Like yeah if you think I'm wrong, you let me know. You come at me. Like you come at me and you let me know. you don't you don't hold back. It's like fear God only. And as long as I'm in line with scripture and God's teaching, then listen to me. But as soon as I'm not, <laughs> like right, come at me, bro. It's fine, right? Because you want to unleash them in the world in a way that cops, mayors, city council members, governors, presidents cannot, yeah, like, just stomp on them and have them go away. A lot of, and if you do that in a biology class, or you do that in your in your little theology class when they're teenagers, and you stomp on them, you put the fire out. It's like they're going to stay stomped on when you release them, which is no goal at all. People
0: are so parents are so happy or too happy with the obedient. Well, obedience is fine. They're too happy with that sort of like my kid just toes the line. Yeah. Like I remember those some of those early parenting videos. I remember my dad. I don't remember, we watched at some point and this guy was boasting that if he told his teenage son to sit like a dog, his son would sit. My dad was like, I hate that. Like, this, Yeah, that's the worst. Like this idea that- What a putz. Yeah, that obedience is like, yeah, my teenage boys yeah. sit like dogs the second I tell them to sit, you know? And I think a lot of, and we have a messed up idea again of what does post-millennial look like?
1: Yeah. No, I mean, like my older son will argue with me all over the place. My younger, and in, in like about anything, we'll have big long ranging rumbles and it's awesome. I love it. And it's fantastic. And my younger son is hilarious. Like recently we were, we were talking and laughing, and he started talking smack at me and my wife was like, this is new. And I was like, yeah, that's fantastic. It's like, this is,
0: <laughs> you know, it's
1: like we're trash talking each other and it's like, this is, this is great. Yeah. But yeah, no, self-control impulse, impulse control. I'm not- Vital, that's vital. So vital, because you will, they yeah. will be destroyed. They'll be like just drunk drivers if right. you don't give them that. They could ruin people's lives. They will ruin their lives and other people's lives if you don't give them At self-control. At age 14, right, yep. yeah. Um, if you don't give them self-control, they have to have it. The question is, are you trying to give yeah, that to them out of a fear of you or out a fear of human institutions? Or are you trying to actually teach them a love of God, a gratitude to God, and an obedience to
0: God? Right. And to you, as long as you're in line with that, <laughs> yeah, it's that post millennial attitude toward your parents, right? Your yeah, kid you is like, "Hey, my, you know, I, I'm here, not not in subjugation to my dad, but in subjugation to Christ." Yep, me and dad are on the same team.
1: Oh, I remember. It's I didn't realize how random it was, but how much how much fun it was to argue with my dad and debate with my dad and all the conversations where it was conflict. It was like wrestling. Nobody was mad. Nobody's upset. It's just like we're wrestling all over the place. And, and, you know, it's like, and having all these arguments and it's fantastic. I mean, that's what, that's what you want. So anyway, the whole post mill thing. Good job, MacArthur. Way to go for all you post millennialists out there already. uh, And for those of you who aren't, I don't care if you aren't, as long as you live like one. Right. But those, but that's also way more important for people who are consciously postmillennialist, they need to live like that. Because otherwise you're a hypocrite. Yeah. Live like it, live like it in the next five minutes, the next five hours, live like it through the day, like push it into your entire day and into your entire life and constantly be repenting and course correcting and maturing yeah. as, as you do expecting to get better and better and better as you're sanctified. And as you better image Christ through your life. So that's ultimately what winning looks like. Boom. Do that.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the Stories of Soul Food podcast and watch the video version available only on Canon+.